um, welcome everybody. It's great to be here with all of you for this special edition episode. Rick Levine is one of the astrologers who, I think this line has to be famous at this point. All through 2019, you kept saying, when people would ask, what's the most important transit of 2019? You would say, the January most- January 2020. January 12th, 2020 is the most important transit of 2019. And I remember the first time you said that, I was like, huh, what, what does he mean by that? But now we know, because- Tell us. So you were basically saying 2019 was all preparation for what was going to be happening in 2020. Um, yes. And I should say that even though here we are in the beginning of April of 2020, I still don't think we know yet what happened in 2020. Um, I think it will take time for us to get perspective, just like in our personal lives, sometimes a major event happens, and then three years, five years, ten years later, we look back and we realize what happened wasn't what we thought happened and something else was really going on. And I think we have some of that cooking right now. But, you know, going back, I, I first wrote about the importance of January 2020 in an article that I wrote for StarIQ.com, my then website. Um, and, it and I wrote this article on September 12th of 2001, the day after the 9-11 bombings, basically putting 9-11 into a perspective that, that was aiming at the next unraveling of this ongoing scenario would be in 2020. And so I've been talking about 2020 since then. However, when Saturn moved into Capricorn um, in December of 2017, just a little bit over two years ago, um, I said, and I've repeated this many times since, that Saturn's entry, in, once Saturn enters Capricorn, he only has one job. And that is, he has on his calendar, on Saturn has on his meeting schedule, um, a, an appointment with the big guy with Pluto. Everything mm -hmm. else doesn't matter. That's the reason why he's in Capricorn is to meet up with Pluto. And, 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 and of course, if we're going to get picky with dates, we know um, that the first um, actual death from this um, COVID-19 occurred on January 11th, within 24 hours um, of um, the actual Saturn-Pluto alignment. Um, but again, I think that what's going on is not what's going on. Right. Okay. Well, we'll and I love, we'll I, I love how Cameron Allen in our 2020 forecast event, the title of his talk was the year it happened meaning like it's going to happen, but we don't actually know what it is, but it's going to be the year that we say, oh yeah, that's the year that blank happened. Um, but then the fallout. You can do that with every Saturn conjunction, Saturn, I'm sorry, with every Saturn Pluto conjunction in opposition going back to the crucifixion of Jesus. Mm. So Rick, what, what I've been saying to people who aren't necessarily versed in astrology is what you could see as an astrologer would be the equivalent of like looking out at the ocean, you know, where the ocean, the horizon are and seeing a tsunami coming. Like it was, it, it's that much of a wave that you could see. And I don't mean like everyone's going to die a tsunami. I just mean it's that big of a wave of energy that you were able to see when you're talking about this in 2001 for you, it was so clear that on the horizon, 
in 2020, there's this massive, massive, massive wave coming. Is that, a, is that an accurate way of describing what you can see pretty much? Um, y- yes. Um, uh, I, I think a tsunami is, is um, a good image. Um, I would like to think of it um, as a major intersection, <laughs> which is a little bit less destructive than a tsunami. Although if you hit an intersection and don't, bay, or don't obey the streetlights, well, that'll do you in. And if you hit an intersection and it's a major intersection and you make a wrong choice, well, it may take a while for you to realize you're screwed. You know, because, you, because once you've gone through the intersection, you know, astrology um, is like a mapping system, but instead of GPS that maps things in space, Astrology is like TPS, uh, temporal positioning systems. And so we go through intersections that aren't spatially located, but they're temporally located. And the thing is, is that we are right now at a significant major intersection that in some ways is more important than the six times a year this intersection occurs every century, which sounds very often, but you know, the fact of the matter is that Saturn and Pluto align every 32 to 38 years and halfway they're in opposition. So if we look at the um, uh, Saturn-Pluto cycle as a new moon, full moon, new moon, full moon, what we see is that we have three new moons, three Saturn-Pluto conjunctions every century and called the Saturn-Pluto conjunction cycle waltz time for civilization. Because every 100 years it goes one, two, three, one, two, three. You know, and if you include the oppositions, it's then like a Strauss waltz where it's going one and two and three and one, and and the ands are the oppositions. Mm. And so, so a tsunami is so rare that it makes this sound like Um, It only happens once every X number of years. And there are things about this particular Saturn-Pluto conjunction that make it more rare than the every every 35-year one. But the fact of the matter is that rather than a one-time tsunami, this is like a bass note, a beat on a drum, that if we dance to, we can work through it. If we don't, the rhythm will overcome us. And like a tsunami, it can take us out. And it does. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that when you look back at this rhythm, um, and I've since 2001, I've spent much of the, um, you know, past, you know, 17, 18 years um, in this research. But when you look back at all of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction and opposition cycles, the amount of, um, of, uh, uh, death and destruction is overwhelming, but also the amount of positive things that have come out of these situations, sometimes without wars, is also overwhelming. I mean, you look at the abolition movement, and the fact of the matter is that Great Britain um, uh, abolished slavery throughout the entire British Empire, one Saturn-Pluto cycle prior to the United States doing it, but both did it on a Saturn-Pluto um, alignment. Um, whether it's 1834, the opposition then, or the opposition in 18, I think it was 1865, I might be off a year here. And then in fact, a hundred years later, um, the um, Saturn-Pluto opposition in 1965, 1965, 66, 
while we were also having this Uranus-Pluto conjunction. That was the passage of the Civil Rights Amendment and, you know, of the, you know, uh, um, and so, so we see that there are good things. The bottom line to understand about Saturn-Pluto, and this helps us put what's going on right now into perspective, is that Saturn is about boundaries. Whether they're belief systems and the um, history of, um, of the um, wars and destruction between Christianity and Islam. I mean, the Crusades all fall on Saturn-Pluto cycles. Um, Mohammed taking, the state of, uh, taking Mecca and declaring it the state of Islam was a Saturn-Pluto alignment. When the Moors invaded Spain, um, and 700 years later, when the Sp Spaniards, the Catholics, finally kicked the Moors, the Arabs out of Spain, these were all Saturn-Pluto alignments. You know, the 1947 mm -hmm. conjunction, you know, we think of, oh, that was the founding of the UN and the creation of Israel and, um, and, and the freeing of India from, from um, Great Britain. Well, I mean, that happened within four days of the exact Saturn-Pluto conjunction in, in the summer of 47. But we forget that a half a million people were killed in the battles between the Muslims and the Hindus over Kashmir and the border between Pakistan and India, which of course now is, is all you know back in the news. I mean, that border right now is very, very um, unstable, although things because of the quote unquote pandemic um, other events have slid off, but we look also at the boundaries and the borders between nation states. Um, 1834 was when Simon Bolivar kicked the Spaniards out of South America. Uh, 1898 um, at that opposition was when um, Britain signed the treaty with China that gave them Hong Kong. And now Hong Kong and China are back in the news. So we see these boundary issues, the whole Copernican revolution um, and, and the last burning of um, uh, at the stake of uh, Giordano Bruno, um, in Rome by the church. All these things are tied to Saturn and Pluto, but here we get to the problem now. And you see the problem is Saturn is boundaries and Pluto is the disintegration and transformation of those boundaries that when boundaries rub up against each other, often there's either a war or there are uh, clashes of belief systems, and then the boundaries realign, and then there's years of readjustment to adjust to those new boundaries. Now, when you think about a um, viral epidemic or pandemic, we're talking about boundary issues. You know, boundaries aren't just nation states. They're my boundaries against what I need to do to protect my my system, my biotic, my biological system from the outside. And, 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 um, and we look and see how that was transformed. You know, one of the greatest uh, um, epidemics, pandemics, was in 1347 to 1353, which we call Black Death. It was the worst, it was the first and the worst um, of the bubonic plague um, uh, episodes. Um, and that was 13, um, I mean, it, it came back every year, but um, I mean, it was roughly 1347 to 1353. And lo and behold, there was a Saturn-Pluto conjunction in 1350. You know, so it, we, we see Saturn and Pluto tied to epi epidemics um, in 1519, which was the year that um, Martin Luther 
um, began the Protestant Reformation by defying the church and, um, and posting the 90 th 95 theses. That was a Saturn-Pluto conjunction in the sign of Capricorn, which is the last time that occurred, which is what we have now. But although people focus on that, and that was a huge one. I mean, that was the beginning of the downfall of the other Roman Empire, of the Vatican <laughs> Empire, you know. But, but we forget that in 1519, um, there was a widespread plague in Europe called the Dancing Plague. And people would start dancing and dance until they died. Now, at that time, they thought they were being inhabited by evil spirits, and maybe they were. Um, but we now believe that it was like a rye uh, uh, fungus or mold or ergot, ergot like LSD that put people into a state of frenzy. And it was a real, I mean, it was a real epidemic. Um, wow. And they danced until they died. Um, but in that same year, 1519, there was a plague outbreak again, because there were regularly. And that was the year that Great Britain passed the first laws about quarantine. Oh, and we should say the word, say here that, that if you're, you can't be quarantined for 14 days. The word quarantine comes from an Italian word um, with quarenta. It, it basically is 40 days. So, so a mm. true quarantine, even though it's come to mean something else, a true quarantine is 40 days, period. Because that's what the word means. It means mm. 40 days. Um, but, but in 1519, there was also a massive plague, maybe the largest um, uh, epidemic recorded in the New World that killed off indigenous people from Mexico all the way down to Peru. Um, so we see these plagues. Okay, the, um, the last Saturn-Pluto conjunction was in 1982. Um, can anyone remember HIV? Because this was a, you know, the um, uh, immunodeficiency or, or the immune system having to create boundaries. That's what HIV, you know, um, HIV slash AIDS, um, that was 1982 was when that happened. And of course that was a, a, a just as serious an epidemic or pandemic as we're experiencing now, except it was uh, rather limited to its population. So a lot of the um, old white guys in power could say, not us, we don't have to worry about this. And so it stayed in denial. But you go back to 1947 at that conjunction, and there was a massive polio epidemic at that time that was a worldwide polio epidemic. And then you go back to 1914, and interestingly enough, we talk about the Spanish flu um, of 1918, um, but it's very well documented that that flu actually began in 1914. Um, and um, um, uh, there is a book, I think it's um, Oliver Stone and who's the other author, it was made into a series called The Secret History of, the, um, of America. Um, and they document the fact, um, and, and I've been able to validate by looking at, um, at uh, Department of Census records or health records, um, that there was an upswing in pulmonary deaths in 1914, 15, 16, but it's very likely that what we call the Spanish flu, and note when you're talking about boundary protection, these, these incursions into our biological systems are always named xenophobically on some external, you know, fear-mongering um, other part of the world, whether it's the Chinese flu, the Hong Kong flu, the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu didn't begin in Spain. It was just that Spain was the only one of the Western European countries that didn't come in World War I and fight on the side of the Allies they remain neutral. 
And so (laughs) this was blamed on them. I mean, there were outbreaks in Spain, but the point is that what we call the Spanish flu epidemic um, actually began um, in 1914, uh, around the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in mm-hmm. 1914. So all I'm saying here is that we're not out of step with what happens during these epidemics when our boundaries are messed with. And of course, the problem is that you can't just build a wall and make boundaries safe because there is an incursion into our biological systems occurring now. And now I suppose we should just touch very briefly because there's lots of rabbit holes that we could go down for hours here and we're not gonna. Um, (laughs) But one of them is that everyone does not get sick and everyone who gets the virus does not die. And in fact, everyone who gets the virus doesn't even develop serious symptoms. So what's going on here? And I think that I just want to throw out the idea, and this is to me the most upsetting thing about anyone's response to this, is this is not about building walls from the outside. It's about strengthening the inside. And, and, and that's what Saturn-Pluto, really the message is that boundaries have changed. How do you strengthen yourself um, and make adjustments to whatever the new situations is or the new situations are. Um, and, um, and I don't see any of the $2 trillion that was passed by the United States government as a response to, these, to this uh, epidemic. I don't see where the money is for, you know, for strengthening people's immune systems, you know, for, 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 for um, massive doses of vitamin C, you know, and Echinacea and elderberry and andrographis and I'm not a real doctor and I don't play one on TV. Rick. You don't have to be Rick. very smart to realize that most of the people who are dying are already compromised. Now that doesn't say that all people are dying that that have been compromised, but when you take out that, um, and the statistics run from 75 to 90 percent of the people who have um, uh, died from this disease are already dealing with pre-mortality issues, whether it's um, heart disease, high blood pressure, uh, diabetes, uh, um, recent cancer, radiation treatments, et cetera, um, emphysema. um, I'm missing a few big ones that I can't think of right now. But basically, um, those people who are already compromised um, are the people, and again, not 100%, there are healthy people dying, but there are healthy people who die of chicken pox. I'm just, you know, and I'm not making light of this. I am saying, trust in Allah and tie your camel. And I'll come back to that story in just a moment because it's a cute story behind it or a good story. But the thing here um, is that, I, I, again, I did some digging on this and approximately 7,500 people a day die in the United States of America. On a regular basis, just I mean, it varies. There's there's a yearly variation, but it turns out that 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 about seven eight thousand people die every day. Now it turns out that the reason for people dying, um, I mean, there are many reasons. There are suicides, and you know, and there are accidents. But but most of the deaths that occur, and this is up. Uh, and my statistics may be off a little bit here, but this is up around 85, 90% of the people who die, die from degenerative diseases. 
And those diseases are the same list of things that if you have a pre-existing cause here, that, that this thing most or certainly can um, take you out, so to speak. So if you have seven or 8,000 people dying a day, and let's just be generous, let's say 80% um, of them are dying from you know, uh, high blood pressure or, uh, you know, or, or cardiac arrest, uh, um, heart attack or stroke. That was the other thing I left out earlier. Um, and we're now having a high level of people dying and most of these people are dying with pre-existing causes. What is that doing to the overall, is, is this increasing the overall deaths? I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm saying this is what, I, these, these are places where my mind goes. And again, I absolutely, uh, I mean, believe that that there is a there is a virus, and there is a lot of indication. Although the public media is certainly downplaying this, but there's a lot of very haunting information that suggests that that the immune system has been uh, put in a state of uh, of of weak a weakened state um, by the proliferation of um, high-frequency radiation and what's being called 5G. Um, these are these millimeter-length, 60 gigahertz frequency radio waves. Um, and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but that's something we will be hearing more about of more about because that cat is a bit out of the bag. The fact that Wuhan was the first state uh, region in, in the state of China um, that actually turned over into 5G on the beginning in the beginning of January of 2020. Um, that the outbreaks not far from where I live at the senior citizen senior living center um, in Kirkland. Kirkland has recently got become a 5G test, and the hospital where all those people were treated um, has high levels of 5G has been tested. Um, the Princess Line cruise ships, they, I went to the Princess Line uh, corporate website and they made a big deal out of between 2019 and 2020 that they've spent tens of millions of dollars upgrading their ships to 5G. Um, you know, Milan was a 5G test. And, now, I'm not saying you have to be in a 5G region to get this, but I'm saying that, that we're, we're needing to look at this whole thing of um, what uh, someone I know who um, I've, I've known over the years, a woman named Rachel Singer, uh, I'm sorry, um, Katie Singer, um, who wrote a book called Electronic Silent Spring, kind of like Rachel Carson's Silent Spring about DDT when no one knew that was an issue. And her thing is, is that the electronic pollution, um, you know, is basically a, a real, real problem. So it turns out that the um, onset of this uh, virus may have a lot of other things that it brings up. And I think when we're talking about Saturn, Pluto and boundaries, I think the biggest thing that we are confronting and we've confronted in science, but not in biology fully, is that with the understanding of the universe as a, um, a, as a uh, quantum mechanical universe, there is no out there, out there. There is no out there, out there. Meaning that the old, um, the emerald tablets, the astrological adage of as above, so below, and the second part of that, which most people forget about, was the within of things is as the without of things. In other words, we as a, as, as a self-aware organism, we are riding almost like a, a um, intersection point between the macro and the micro. And 
And our awareness is basically the awareness of that reflection of the inner and the outer. And so if there's nothing out there, out there, that what's out there is actually in here, then we have an issue. <clears throat> the issue is the denial that we are separate from nature, that this is the most massive biological species extinction um, in several hundred million years. But it's happening out there. It's not happening to me. Yeah, it's terrible, you know, that, you know, polar bears are dying and that, and that all these different animals and, and bugs and, and butterflies and all these species are becoming extinct. But that's nature. It's not me. That's crazy thinking because we are part of this extinction process. And, and, the, and the idea that germs just simply take over is also a bit crazy. My, my, my buddy Bruce Lipton has written about this extensively and what's now called epigenetics. Um, I mean, if you take a, a, an unhealthy organism and put it in a healthy environment, it gets healthy. If you put an unhealthy, um, if you put a healthy organism in an unhealthy environment, it gets sick. Now, a healthy organism has the immune system boundaries, we're back to Saturn, to fight off the invader that could take it down, that would be Pluto. And so, um, you know, again, you know, it, it's like one of the things that I've always asked as an astrologer is how do you, how do you, be, how do you maintain sanity in an insane world? You know, this is, a, this is one of the questions that many of, um, of us either conscious or becoming conscious or waking up people, you know, have to confront. Um, but the same, same question is how, how, how do you become healthy in a, in a diseased world? Our world is sick. You know, whether it's the plastic island in the Pacific, whether it's radioactive, um, you know, uh, um, uh, poisoning, whether it's electronic pollution, whether it's smog, whether it's water, that has to be put in sterilized plastic bottles so you can drink it without dying, um, you know, whether it's the air that we breathe. Again, these are not separate issues. These are all issues that bring us back to Saturn boundary. And yes, we can build walls between the United States and Mexico or between China and the invading Mongols, um, but we can also strengthen the inside so that every cell wall is strong rather than building an external world, because the invader here is not COVID-19. Again, I'm not making less of having to tie your camel. Now let me come full circle. Ram Das used to tell the story that, um, and this is based upon a story that is attributed to Mohammed, who is out walking around one day and he comes across this Bedouin who is going into a marketplace. And the Bedouin said, I am a follower of Allah, um, you know, you are my prophet, um, but, you know, if Allah protects me, you know, I'm going into the market, do I have to tie my camel? And Mohammed said to the Bedouin, trust in Allah and tie your camel. So for us, tying the camel is being aware of social distance. Tying the camel is, is, is washing our hands. Now, this does not deal with the boundary issue on a deeper level. This is, this is, this is treating um, a headache by doing a headectomy. You know, this is, this is treating cancer by cutting it out and killing it. It's not 
dealing with the source of the dis-ease. And we are in a state of planetary dis-ease. You do not need to be an astrologer for that matter. You don't even need to be very smart to realize that we, as a, as a culture, as a civilization, as a species, cannot continue on the path we've been on. It's unsustainable. It just, it just, and people have known this for, for decades. In fact, it might have been Thomas Malthus back in 1600, the year that the British East Indies Trading Company was founded, which was really the uh, Britain's license to go out and, um, and pillage the world of its resources. And 1600, interestingly enough, was a Saturn-Pluto conjunction, but that's a separate story. The fact of the matter is that Thomas Malthus created what we now call Malthusian economics, which basically says this, at some point in time, there won't be enough for you and me. So I need to make sure that there's enough for me. This is the origin of why, this was the rationale of why the British Empire was created. It was based on Malthus's logic and, um, um, and astrologer, metaphysician uh, John Dee on his conception of what could happen. Um, and, and this is the origins of what we call the, the, the British Empire. But the fact of the matter is that there is enough to go around that Malthus was wrong, although we live in a limited sphere, we can't continue shitting in it. Uh, and I find the analogy of people being fearful of their shit right now, you know, and the toilet paper scare is like, there's a very metaphorical um, uh, concept there. Again, I remember Ram Dass who used to say that the great American death mantra, because Americans in the West in general were so in denial about, um, about death and were so afraid of it, he used to say that the great American death mantra was, oh shit. And so, you know, so things get tough and people go out and hoard toilet paper. <laughs> not, not water, you know, not dried rice, you know, or, you know, but um, we are a strange species. However, just coming full circle here, the fact of the matter is there is something going on out there. Um, and all these issues that I've brought up and more, because there are many more, um, they all need to be explored because we are at either a tsunami, one-time event, we're at, we're at an intersection. We're, we visit this intersection often, but this time it's more urgent because of the changes of technology. Because of the fact that in 1918, that epidemic occurred worldwide because of World War I, because of the Great War, because people were put in extraordinary situations that compromised their immune systems. They traveled all over the world. They went back to their homes and it spread. Now, with the global communication and air travel that we have, I mean, in some ways, the response to this may be overstated, um, uh, uh, but I'm not saying go out and I'm not saying to forget about your own boundaries. But the level of, of fear that's around this is not about the dis-ease. It's about the larger issue. And I can't help but imagine um, Greta Thunberg sitting at home, maybe in, in, in pain, um, thinking about all the people who are suffering from this and the people who may be dying, but kind of a little bit gleeful that no one's flying. And of course, I wouldn't be the first person to note um, that there are dolphins swimming in the canals in Venice, that there are people who have seen blue skies who have never seen a cloud before in their entire life. 
I mean, let's not forget that Wuhan was one of the most polluted cities in the world, and people there have been dying of of accelerated um, rates of um, mortality around pneumonia and uh, pulmonary issues uh, for enough years that people have been demonstrating in the streets to no avail, and all of a sudden there's a glimpse of blue sky in Wuhan. Um, that there are, you know, here you go out and you actually see birds where there haven't been birds before. Um, and there are people who are saying that this is a great awakening. And I love that idea. But I have Jupiter and Capricorn and Jupiter and Capricorn expands cautiously. And um, as much as I am an optimist, and, um, and there are many people who probably think that I'm just another aging white hippie liberal, you know, new ager, um, I don't think that everybody is awakening here. Because I think that if you're in denial, and your systems get attacked, you build more walls and you go further into denial. So I don't know that what's going on now is a panacea, is a solution um, that's going to make everybody wake up. It's going to make those people who are waking up, who are on edge of waking up, or who have been in the process of, of, of waking up for decades, I won't say woke up, because although I feel like on some level I've been waking up since the 1960s, I wouldn't say that I'm woke. I'm still waking. You know, it's a process. But the point is that if we're in denial and shit happens, um, we buy more toilet paper, we lock our doors, we go further into fear, and we blame it on someone else, be it the Chinese, the military, the Illuminati, um, the, the power structures that be, um, uh, the, 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 um, the blue states, the red states, um, the people who are colored differently, the people who are gendered differently, whatever. We always blame it on someone else because that's what fear does to protect boundaries. And that's the issue. That's the real um, pandemic. And you haven't even asked the question yet. I'm going to shut the hell up. <laughs> I mean, how could I? But I don't want to interrupt you. It was so incredible. I mean, we just got a history lesson, both in the astrology, but then also what the astrology triggered and what the themes are over and over. And so I, I wanted to just ask a few questions. Um, because one of the things I, that, I, that I try to give real answers instead of rambling. I, you can ramble all you want. And I know that I am not the only one enjoying your ramble and I wouldn't call it a ramble. That was, I mean, amazing, incredible information all packed into like, I don't know what that was, 10 minutes, but Rick, what, okay. So by virtue of itself, when we're talking about boundaries, we'd also be talking about freedom, right? So there's like this boundary and freedom, right? One thing, hold on, hold on, don't, 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 because I'm going to set you off. Just hold it. Okay. Then we have, <laughs> then we have what I heard in all those different kinds of scenarios you talked about. There was wars, there was liberation, there was boundaries, there was, there was, uh, you know, rebelling against churches, you know, these kinds of things. This, there's a power like dynamic thing that seems the Saturn and Capricorn seems to highlight as well. So, so if we're to take those things and apply them right now, we're both looking at boundaries, but then we're also looking at what is freedom and where does your freedom lie in my, like, where do we end and, and begin in terms of our freedoms? But then we also have these ideas around power, like who's in power and who's under power and, and how are we navigating those dynamics and how are those dynamics meant to shift right now? 
because we do know that it's a shift in power dynamics, right? I mean, all of you are saying it. All the I just I just pair it back what you astrologers tell me, and I'm and I'm hearing the themes. So there's definitely a power shift happening as well. And with all the examples you gave, there was a lot of power shifting. So please go. Well, um, y- yeah, no, that's. I mean, this is this is a very deep rabbit hole. Um, and yes, when boundaries get infringed upon, people get a little crazy protecting them. And often what happens psychologically, astrologically, is that rather than protecting the boundary in the current moment, we're tying into some cultural, religious, um, uh, ethnic, and or familial psychological fear from the past that makes whatever the current thing is part of a much larger scenario. You know, so rather than um, so then rather than putting antiseptic on the cut on our thumb, we just amp- amputate the arm. You know, I mean, because we we overreact. And again, this is not to say that we shouldn't be reacting, but a lot of the reaction comes from from that place of fear of loss of control. And there have been people who have been talking about, you know, the the um, uh, the military, the the martial law aspect of what's going on, the authoritative government. There are people who are um, proposing, and again, I'm not either selling or denying these, these some of these theories of which I've done a lot of research on and I do have my opinions but th- that can be next month's talk right now the fact of the matter is um, <clears throat> that there have been people that for years have been talking about um, the government's um, uh, plan to create um, fear that creates reasons for martial law that then requires people to need to have arms to protect themselves. I don't know if you're aware of this horrific um, uh, statistic, but um, you know, in this time, um, states that have declared non-essential businesses closed. Um, I, I have a friend who's a naturopath in Colorado, and in Colorado, acupuncture and naturopathy are considered non-essential. Hmm. However, uh, gun stores are considered essential. Mm. And that stores that have been selling 800 to to $1,000 worth of um, armaments, um, guns a day, uh, some of them are reporting sales up to $50,000 a day. People mm. are afraid and, they're, and they, and they want to protect themselves. And so this whole issue of, of um, you know, freedom versus uh, suppression, this is certainly part of what the issues are that are brought up you know, during Saturn, um, Saturn, Pluto events. Um, and, uh, you know, freedom comes with a price and the loss of boundary um, often creates fear, especially with those people who are in power. Uh, I'm recalling a wonderful Jackson Brown song um, that Scott is probably was from 1972. I think he wrote this um, and it's called Before the Deluge. It was the title of this album. Uh, very, very prophetic. But in, in that song, one of the, core, one of the verses was, <clears throat> some of them were angry at the way the earth was abused by the men who learned to forge her beauty into power. And they struggled mm-hmm. to protect her from them, only to be confused by the, something, by, the, by the strength of the fury in the final hour. I mean, written in 1972. So we have these dinosaurs 
who are basically in a state of fear of extinction um, without relating it to anything that's an extinction of species on the outside. And they're running around doing whatever they need to do to stay in denial and to protect their power. And that then infringes upon my expression, your expression. Um, and, and this whole power dynamic is a very, power freedom is a very strange thing because is there some point where your values or my values say, yes, I believe in freedom of speech, but he can't say that. <laughs> it's a tricky issue. I don't, I don't have an answer, but I, it's a great question. It's, and it's so interesting. I was thinking about the beaches here, you know, so they close the beaches and it's, I've always thought how great the government here has protected the beaches from being privatized by making them public, right? So you can't own a beach here. You can't own the beach in front of your house, which I always thought was great. But then when they close the beaches, it was like, oh, wow. But then that also gives them the power to close the beaches and say, no one can, no one can use it which is like, oh, this really interesting, like new way to see it, where it f first it felt like they were protecting something. And now it feels like this, you know, which maybe in their mind, they're still protecting something, I guess, human life. And in some ways it's great for the coral. Maybe they actually get to come back. The coral gets to live again and the fish gets to come back and all those things. But um, of course it's going to take more than a couple of months for that to be set right. But you're right. Yeah. So the other thing that I was I was thinking about here is this idea around. Um, <sighs> so there's so much that you brought up. I mean, the power struggles, the how to be healthy in a diseased world, um, the the idea around um, you know building an internal strength, you know building our internal. So let's talk a little bit more about like how what can the how can the astrology help us in these extraordinary times, understand what it is that we can do. Because I think so many people right now are feeling a little bit helpless in terms of what they actually can do to affect at least their own world. And I know there's wash hands and social distance and all that. We got that. But like, is there anything else that we could be doing in this time to, um, to utilize the time that we have in the most productive, helpful way possible? Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I, yes, I saw a cartoon of this two people talking on the phone and, um, or, and one person saying, oh, yes, I, you know, I've been self-quarantined now for three weeks and I was so excited. I have all these projects that I've been putting off for years um, and I have this and that and then just listing all these things. And the person said, so what have you done? She goes, well, I've discovered a new way to mix my breakfast cereals. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> and, but, but I think that's, a lot, that's where a lot of us are at. You know, we, we are at home, um, for those of us who are blessed enough to have a home, um, with food, for those of us who are blessed enough to have food. Um, and, um, and it's like that Paul McCartney line, oh, that magic feeling, nowhere to go. You know, and so what do we do with this time? And there are things to do. Um, I mean, one of them is to breathe. And I don't, I mean, we, breathing is the only thing that we do that's both part of our uh, awareness and non-awareness. If I say breathe faster, you can breathe faster. If I say slower and deeper, but as soon as I stop thinking about it, my breath becomes unconscious and I breathe. So um, all the yogic traditions that talk about pranayama, tantric techniques, uh, um, <clears throat> um, 
Kundalini, um, uh, the Wim Hof, um, the, the Iceman, who has become um, quite significant or popular um, in the protection of the immune system through his breathing techniques. Um, we can take time during the day a few times to breathe. And there's enough things on YouTube that um, for those people who are not familiar with any of these breathing techniques, you can find them online, easy. Um, so breathing, uh, the more you breathe, the more you oxygenate, the more oxygen you feed your system, the more air you can inhale, the better off you are, the healthier you are. Um, there's a concept in Chinese medicine, you know, that is if your system is full, you know, of chi, of prana, of life, then there, there's no room for invaders. You know, you can open your doors and windows, but the invader can't get in. Hmm. Um, secondly, um, and this is a hard one for me, but it becomes apparent that if there are things that we're taking from this whole um, episode and going forward, um, is uh, turn off your TVs and turn off your Wi-Fi. Um, and obviously, I, like you, Amanda, a lot of my life is tied to what I do online. I spend a lot of time online. Um, but, you know, the, it, it's Wi-Fi, and it's not just 5G, it's Wi-Fi. Um, it's all electronic radiation. Because, look, as astrologers, we believe um, as above, so below. And we astrologers particularly are interested in what I like to call ultra, 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 very extremely low frequency radiation. What do I mean by that? Pluto is four cycles a millennium. The moon is 13 cycles a year. Um, Saturn is three cycles a century. The uh, radiation in our wall is 60 cycles a second. Our computer is humming, our computer is humming at four gigahertz that's four trillion cycles a second. This new 5G is at approximately 60 gigahertz, 60 trillion cycles a second. Remember, the entire universe, our entire world is blinking on and off at several hundred trillion times a second. Think about that. That's what's happening out there. The entire universe is, is blinking on and off at hundreds of trillions of times a second. So, when we are bathed in our um, artificially or let's say humanly created radiation, we're interfering with the natural patterns. Does that mean I, I'm a Luddite and, you, and I will never go on the internet? No, but I've gotten into the habit of turning off my, I'm turning off my Wi-Fi when I'm not using it. And it's something that I've never done. I've left it on for 24 hours a day for, you know, 25 years. Um, <sighs> And so, and, and so that's something we can do because whether we are going to ever hear this from the public uh, corporate owned media or not, the fact of the matter is that radiation messes with our immune system. So that's another thing we can do. Then the well, next. Wait, 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 before you go there, um, have you, so I have noticed an increase in physical symptoms due to my exposure to technology. So like you, I've worked online for years. It's been in the last uh, five, six months-ish that, and I, and I even put this out into the community, and, and it was amazing to hear how many people were experiencing the same symptoms. On the left side of my head, 
a pain, like a literal pain. And um, what about and, the, paper, the clip with the flower out of your hair? No, I'm kidding. No, 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 no. This is for that. So listen, so, so the, the amazing thing is this is why I'm wearing a flower on the side of my head because <laughs> this is going to make me sound crazy, but I literally had a download that it would protect. And I'm not saying it protects everybody, but there is a protective element for me to have this on my body. And I realized that the Hawaiians, they always put lay and flower on their heart and on their heads. And I realized that it, and it was one of those moments of like insight where it's like, oh my gosh, they realize that both, it, 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 of course it's beautiful, but it's a protective element, but it's also a, a tuning device. And, and I've noticed this in my own body. It has de decreased dramatically since I've been religious about this. No, it's not crazy at all to me. But then again, I'm crazy too. Um, <laughs> um, but the fact of the matter is we will likely see a, 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 an, a, an uprise of devices that create electromagnetic shielding. I mean, short of living your life inside of a Faraday cage, there's no way to make all the external radiation go away, even if you're living in, you know, in a mountain home. I mean, the fact that there are sad, that there are, I don't know what the number is, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of satellites either going around or stationary spinning with the earth um, that are part of the mesh of frequency transmitters. There's um, some research been done um, about how each of these major plagues in the 20th century um, have corresponded with an uptick of electromagnetic um, in the 1914 to 18 period. It was prior to commercial radio, but there was radio telegraphy that kind of blanketed the planet. And then after World War II, prior to those epidemics, um, there was radar um, that blanketed the planet. And of course, now with Wi-Fi, um, you know, and cell phones and now 5G. So I, I, again, I'm not, I, 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 if I'm a conspiracy theorist, my conspiracy theory is this. We need desperately a conspiracy. And the word conspiracy comes from the Greek conspire. Spire is the root word to breathe, you know, aspiration, you know, and con is Greek with. That technically, the word conspiracy is a group who's breathing together. That's what, I mean, when you're conspiring, you're basically involving someone else who's breathing as you are. And I got to bring in the Hawaiian culture again, because they, the word haole, which has been, now it's like white person, but right. that's not what it meant. Haole means without breath. The reason, the first thing they noticed when people started coming over here is that they didn't breathe together. They didn't breathe when they came together to pray. They didn't breathe when they came together to greet. And they thought that was the weirdest thing. So it was a haole meant, a, a haole meant like someone without breath. Beautiful. And, and so, yes, and you, and you find, again, the breath work. In, in yoga, you know, I mean, yoga is not just about doing physical postures, although that certainly is a useful and valuable tool to keep our body hummed. Um, but yoga is a Sanskrit work, word that it means the yoke of the ox. And, and yoga is how do you harness the power, the energy that is in that, is, is it, that's in, in an oxen. And so there are many types of yoga, but almost all of them, 
use some sort of technique that relates to what the um, what in Sanskrit is called prana, and prana is that is the I'll say the word again in in Hawaiian. Haole. Yeah, but the the word haole 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 is the haole uh, is the breath is the spirit of the breath. Oh, no, 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 no. Aloha. I mean, aloha in a lot of ways is the spirit of the breath. So, so yeah. it is, it's, it's the same word that's in the same root that is in spirit. Conspire is spirit. And in Sanskrit, prana is life. And pranayama is the practice that, that increases the energy by breathing. And, you know, I mean, it's one of the reasons why smoking, um, cigarettes for sure, but anything, too much smoking basically prevents us from full, fully breathing because we're not bringing in the, the um, oxygen. So, um, yeah, so this whole idea of, of putting breath back into our life, um, certainly working out is, you know, one way of increasing one's breath. But unfortunately, working out and doing sports, the energy goes external. And I'm not saying that it's not useful or valuable. There's also something to to um, w w doing, you know, various um, um, yogic breathing techniques or the Wim Hof techniques or whatever, because breathing increases life energy, increases, in increases chi and increases spirit. And remember, spirit is actually a great Neptunian word because spirit is really something that is not physical, which is what Neptune is. You know, even when we drink alcohol, we call that spirits because alcohol evaporates and becomes non-physical way you know way faster than than water does what were we talking about what was the question <laughs> we were on the second recommendation uh that we can actually something we can actually do in this time okay, so the third, the third right recommendation so we have breathing we have lessening our um, immediacy to um, high-frequency electromagnetic interference radiation wi-fi microwaves television, radio, cell phones. Um, I, for years, um, you know, I always put my cell phone on silence. Um, now when I go to sleep, I put it on airplane mode. It's just, mm. it's an easy thing to do because like cigarette smoking, that again, government industry denied was harmful for decades. <clears throat> We're going to get the same thing with all of this. We already are. We already have. Um, but it's like smoking. It's, it, it appears to be cumulative. So the, anything you can do mm. that lessens your exposure starting today, you know, if you're a cigarette smoker and you quit today, you're better off than the person who doesn't when it comes to the potential attack that your immune system and our lungs may receive at some time. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing uh, are we on three or four? I can't remember. You tell me. Um, the, the next thing um, is doing whatever substances that, can, that you can do that can help strengthen your immune system. And the information out there is not going to come from the government, the World Health Organization, the American Medical Association, or the, World, or, or, or the CDC, because those organizations are all in sick management, not in health care. And, um, and this is another long rabbit hole that we could dig down deeper into some other time. But the fact of the matter is you can find online amazing sources, resources for what you could be taking to strengthen your immune system, 
um, whether they are um, uh, fungus, um, uh, mushroom immune strengtheners, whether they are high doses of vitamin C, whether they are um, astragalus, andrographis, uh, echinacea, selenium. None of these are prescriptions. You need to do your research. You need to go online, find out what you should be taking for your body, your body type, find a naturopath or someone or, or, or an acupuncturist who knows, you know, energetic medicine and, and, and increase the energy of what you have on the inside. Now back to breathing and I kind of minimize the exercise thing, you know, in especially being quarantined um, or 14 teened. I don't know what the 14. You know. Well, it's gotta be more than 14 days. Yeah, that's, that's clear. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it will be a quarantine, but um uh, aside from that, because a lot of people aren't getting out, they aren't going to the beaches, they aren't doing their daily swims in the ocean or the lakes or the rivers, um, got to exercise, uh, got to exercise. Um, in my state, and it appears from the latest information that I've been able to get, take any information you get from anyone with a grain of salt. All I can say is that when I talk about this, just consider me another data point. <laughs> Not the truth, just another yeah. point for data. Um, but it appears that, you know, being outside, um, even if you can't go to the beach, if you're not near someone and if you're not touching anything, it appears that there is very little chance and almost no way for a virus to jump, um, you, know, uh, you know, into your system from being outside. And, you know, whether you're a runner, a jogger, a brisk walker, or whether you have to, in your house, do sit-ups, jumping jacks, whatever. You need to get your heart rate up. You need to exercise. That's another piece in keeping the immune system going. And, of course, the, the, the fourth, fifth, or sixth uh, piece, maybe the last piece, and most importantly, on some level, and that is that, as we know, um, again, from Bruce's The Biology of, the biology of Belief, we know that our thoughts create uh, an environment that changes our genetic structures. We know that, that um, and I'm not saying that we should be in denial, we should be armed with good facts, and that in doing that, we can then be, we, we can rest easy. Um, there's a doctor here who's very well respected, um, um, who actually has a clinic near where I live, but is a German and has clinics in uh, Switzerland also. Um, and um, his name is uh, uh, Dietrich Klinghardt, K-L-I-N-G-H-A-R-D-T. Go to YouTube, Google him. This guy is considered to be a real expert. Uh, he's a medical doctor, but he's, um, he, he's, he's very highly regarded by people who are um, intelligent um, healers. Um, and his information, again, I wouldn't take it as singularly gospel, but if you want a bit of a reality check, I mean, there's a place that um, he has a number of um, excellent informational pieces. You're not going to get it from the government, unfortunately. And of course, part of one, of one of the conspiracy theories going around is that this whole thing is being engineered by the government so that they can either delay or postpone or cancel elections or so they can put us in military law so that they um, can, you know, take all of our guns. I, I'm not selling any of these points. I'm just saying that, that when we watch CNN, we're watching 
a, a party line from a major corporation and they may or may not have your best interest at heart. I would actually say they probably do not have your best interest at heart. They're instilling fear so you can watch more of their TV so that they can sell more ads for pharmaceutical companies who right now are racing to cash in on this global fear because the first person who has an immediate cure, and this is probably part of why what appears to be a workable cure um, is not being used, um, you know, and that came out of China, and it's the hydroxychloroquine, um, hydroxychloroquine sulfate, um, and a ZPAC used together in, in China and in Italy, uh, and most recently in France, have been shown to basically eliminate virus in five days in many cases. And again, these are not conclusive long-term studies, but you're not going to see this in the United States. It's going to be negated because what it'll do is it'll prevent the companies from cashing in and making hundreds and hundreds of millions, billions of dollars on whoever. Right now, there is a global race to see whoever it is that can find the first vaccine that then becomes, you know, uh, part of this whole vaccine uh, build a wall it's another aspect of build a wall, have a vaccine, which of course, without getting into this rabbit hole very deeply, there's a lot of concern as to the whole strategy of vaccines and whether they're healthful or whether they're tools of biological engineering. Mm. I, you know, there are so many rabbit holes right now that are coming up, but they're all about the same thing. They're all about Saturn Pluto. They're all about boundaries are not what they used to be. <clears throat> and in fact, <clears throat> um, I did a lecture at... Um, the um, NCGR conference, a keynote talk at the Baltimore conference a year ago. And the title of my talk was The Plutocalypse. Hmm. And here we are. And in fact, I've actually renamed this um, um, because there are people who are saying that this is it. And there are people who are saying it's not. And we don't know. And we won't know for a while. Um, it's kind of like the, you know, is the cat dead or alive? It's kind of like, you know, Schrodinger's cat. We don't know. And on top of that, we're being, um, we're dealing with zombies. You know, we're dealing with uh, viruses that are not alive. This is Schrodinger's zombie apocalypse. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and can, do you, what's, tell us the real, uh, the real meaning of apocalypse. The word apocalypse. The, uh, the word apocalypse, it's basically to uncover or to reveal. Uh, you know, right. In fact, most people associate, most, most Christians associate apocalypse with the book of Revelations. Well, apocalypse means reveal. It is a revelation. Now, the question is, what's being revealed? <clears throat> and in my um, recent talks, I've been talking about how Saturn at one time was the absolute king of boundaries. Saturn was the ultimate boundary between here and there. There meaning not here. <laughs> Saturn was, you know, it was the gate at which life came through as on its journey to Earth. Saturn was the wall between physical and non-existent. And for the past couple hundred years, science has been breaking down Saturn's role because that which is non-existent used to be that which we can't perceive. And when Lavoisier discovered oxygen in the uh, 18th century, he didn't discover oxygen. He discovered that things that were invisible actually had substance. 
Hmm. And so we now live in a world where the outer planets, um, the Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and other things out there that we cannot perceive, we know that they are real. You know, that, you know, um, certain classicists will only use the seven visible planets, whether they're um, Hellenistic or Vedic, not all um, classicists. Um, But the fact of the matter is that we moderners know that that the meta is more important or causal to the physical and that it used to be we are physical and there's something metaphysical out there that's not physical but now we realize that the metaphysical is what's important and and the physical is a manifestation of that metaphysical which is why it's so important to have our thoughts in order but what this also means is that as pluto lines up with saturn and pluto is is like nihilism it's the destruction of that which is the most important that goes to the bottom of the pile so it's the deconstructing, excuse me, it's the deconstructing um, of Saturn and Capricorn, of the structures of government, of belief systems, of, 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 of external distribution, roads, bridges, etc. And in a way, that's representative and part of a larger destruction of Saturn. We are realigning to the fact that the metaphysical is not only as important, but maybe all that's important because it has a causal relationship to the physical. And as astrologers, we have a tool that allows us, that enables us to see the metaphysical, to see that which is invisible beyond the five senses. And therefore, I do not have any, I just have like a I've been talking a lot. Oh, um, <laughs> but, but, but 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 we, but what we do have is by using astrology, we can begin to see the the, the patterns. And again, I'll come back to something I've said a hundred times over the past years, and that that is that um, is that astrology doesn't get doesn't give us the ability to change the future. It gives us the ability to change our perception of the past, which rewrites the present, which gives us more directions to move. That what changes the future. And so the awareness of this Pluto-Saturn cycle and Jupiter there now, I mean, there's so much astrology, we're not going to go into this. You have an amazing, you know, um, uh, um, uh, stable um, of very amazing astrologers who I know have and continue to, to do that side of the work and they're doing it great. But the fact of the matter is, that, that astrology is a tool with which we can change our awareness. And the Buddhists would have us believe that that's all we can change. That when our awareness changes, then other things change. Um, and so this is a lot about how are we going to use these days, weeks, months, years to alter our awareness, to put us in a new relationship to Saturn boundaries and Pluto, those bardo states, those that's a Tibetan word for the states of metaphysical being between death and rebirth, because in a way that's where we all are at this time. Mm. Wow, Rick, you just gave us, I, I actually, there's some talks that I do where I like bookmark and it's like, I'm going to go back and listen to that one several times because there was so much in there. Thank you for sharing your wealth of wisdom and information and your data point. I think it's a really strong data point. 
um, personally, but everybody, of course, with everything we're doing here, with all these special editions, take the information in, see what's like resonating, let your body be the tuning fork. And if it's like, oh, no, that's not, that's not for me, or yes, that's right on, pay attention to that. One of the biggest things that the astrologers said at the 2020 forecast event is that this is a year to really trust your intuition your internal guidance, your internal tuning fork. So, Right, but Amanda, I have to interrupt you. If your internal intuition is telling you to be afraid and to isolate and don't trust it, because we easily mistake our layering over of emotional resonance onto what we call intuition. And what no, you're that's not intuition. True, but yeah. if, you're from, if your intuition is telling you that everyone's going to die and you should be afraid, and you then don't trust that. Intuition. I would say anything that makes you like constrict in and stop breathing exactly. and, and shorten your breath and, and, and get like fearful and tight. There's a very big difference between being fearful and being cautious. And you know it because you can feel it in your body. When you're fearful, it's that paralyzing energy that you stop breathing, right? And you get really frantic. There's also a very short YouTube video that I will look up and, and, and send you the link so that you can post it. Um, uh-huh. it, it it's in Italian, but it has, but if you hit the CC, the closed captions, the closed captions are in English. And it's a short video that's beautifully produced Um, And it's called A Message from the Virus. And the message basically is, I'm not the disease, I'm not the enemy, I'm not the sickness, I'm the messenger, and the message is to stop. (laughs) And it goes on from there. And and I'm just saying that because, because that's, it's a, it's, this is Saturn. Saturn is the planet of stop. It's the limit. It's the wall. It's the boundary. Saturn is the constriction. You know, Saturn is, is anything that pulls the energy in and prevents breathing. It's the constriction of breathing. And so this message from the virus is absolutely a gorgeous, it's a, it's a wonderful four or five minute meditation. I've watched it awesome. many times. Oh my gosh. Yes, please send. But yeah. So anyway, so the, you, you, the, you know, the difference between fear and caution and because you can feel it in your body and just start paying attention. Oh, that made me, that makes me feel fearful or, Oh, that makes me feel informed so I can make choices. There's, there's big difference. And maybe you might have an initial fearful, fearful response to something that you later go, mm, I'm really glad I have that information. And, and th- that we can go through these processes with all this information that's coming our way. Um, but Rick, thank you so much for all of your tips and all the history. And just, again, I say this every time we talk, you are such a gift to the astrological community and to all of us astrology lovers. And it's just, you bring such grounded information to the discussion. And I just really, really appreciate you. Well, thank you. And we really appreciate you because the role that you're playing in all of this cannot be understated. So, so, you know, so, uh, what you said and back at you. We can do a virtual high five. Nice. Uh, nice. Uh, awesome. All right, you guys, I'm going to be back in 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to be live with Elizabeth Wilcock. We're going to be talking about um, the opportunity right now to step into and embrace the divine feminine, which a lot of, when you were talking about the metaphysical and the unseen, 
so many of that, so much of that to me is that feminine essence that is. I, I totally less agree tangible. with that very strongly. I didn't, I didn't bring that up, and, and and I probably should have. But this is also, I mean, those boundaries are the boundaries between physical and metaphysical, or between yang and yin. I mean, it's certainly mm. a reclamation of the of those emotional, non-physical dimensions that are just as important and just as real as the physical. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to be back after that. I think we should all take a technology break. So just go and get like a cup of tea or something and then come right back because we will be live um, and talking about that. And it's her, she's the one that initiated me in the priestess path. She's amazing so much. She's also married to David Wilcock. I don't know if you know who he is. Um, talk about yeah, rabbit hole. Some, some of his current videos I think are also very important to watch. Uh, you want to talk about yes. rabbit holes, but yes, absolutely. rabbit holes. Yes. Make sure you're ready for those. Make sure you have like your, your protective shield and we won't go there right now. So I'm going to be talking to his wife, Elizabeth, who um, has a, a, the feminine viewpoint on this time, which is also very informed with the information that he has as well. So can't wait to see you all again, Rick. Thank you so, so much. And we'll see you all real soon. <laughs> Take care. Keep breathing, wash your hands, and tie your camels. <laughs>